It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Greetings, everybody, and welcome to Conflict Radio. This is July 26, 2021, and we're almost into August. And boy, is it hot outside or what? Today, we've got Cynthia Sue Larson joining us on the program. And uh, to be honest, I, I'm going to owe her a little bit of an apology. It has been over 100 episodes since we had her on, and that is never going to happen again, I promise you. Cynthia Sue Larson is a best-selling author and intuitive life coach who helps people transform from accidental manifestors into conscious reality shifters. Cynthia's favorite question in every situation is, how good can it get? Cynthia has been featured in numerous TV and radio shows, including the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, BBC. She has a degree in physics from UC Berkeley, an MBA degree, and a Doctor of Divinity. She has helped thousands of people discover and develop their visions and goals in optimal alignment with their core strengths and the needs of those they serve. Cynthia, welcome to Conflict Radio. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having me back. It's such a pleasure to be on the show again. <laughs> you know what? We, we love having you here and really do sincerely apologize for taking so long to get you on. You know, it seems like the year has just gone by so fast. It's, I guess it's been about maybe a year and a couple months since uh, we last had you on, and it just flew by. Is, is time picking up speed, or, or am I missing something? Well, I think this has been a strange year, so, but it also does seem like there are things going faster. Uh, some people would argue it seems really slow, too, and you could make a case for both. You know, time's going fast in the sense that it's hard to believe it is a year later because what's happened exactly? Um, 
you know, seems like lots of things have happened. And at the same time, not much. <laughs> so, you know, somebody told me once that as you get older, life will go by faster because your pieces of pie are getting smaller. Like when you're a kid, like a year is like maybe if you're eight years old, a year is a slice. So you'd have eight slices of pie, whereas now we have like 45 slices, 50 slices of pie. And uh, those pieces are just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So it's obviously taking, you know, a shorter amount of time to eat them, I suppose, right? That's an interesting theory. Hadn't heard that one before. But I'm enjoying a good book about time um, by, by Carlo Rovelli. He's a physicist, and he writes an amazing explanation of how there is no such thing as one objective time. We tend to think there is, but it doesn't exist. So I, I've read the first part of the book where he blows that up completely beautifully. I mean, destroys it. <laughs> destroys our conceptualization that there is one objective time that's the same for everyone everywhere um, we know that it's not true when we look at the physics of it but we seldom look that closely at the physics of it all right so uh, let me give a shout out here real quick to everybody who has joined us for the live show right now we are in the youtube chat room so if you're listening to this on podcast do uh try to catch the live shows on youtube they're a lot of fun let's say hello to uh, mr fox the Dark Wolf's Den show is in here. Antonio, how you doing? Hope you're well. Paul Beska, how you doing? I guess I'll, I'll run your tracking. That Did you get that package I sent you yet? Uh, Mr. Fox is here. Ian, myself. Juan, Hound of the Valnor. Kingfish Kebab. Renee Cruz, how you doing? Kermit the Frog. Uh, let's see who else we've got. I saw Chuck Bam earlier. Hugh Goddard. Stacy Tillman is in the house. Adam, uh, Akram... Musa is here. How you doing, Akram? And uh, I guess uh, I guess that's everybody that's at least... Uh, let's see here. Jess Fish says hello. ML says hello. How's everybody doing? Ian, myself. Y'all know what time it is, he says. So here we are. You know, I want to talk about quantum immortality today, Cynthia, if that's okay with you. Yes. I watched an episode on this, I guess uh, it, on YouTube or something. I watched something and it was like in my in my thing about quantum suicide and how um, I guess it's it's this whole paradigm where you're in a box and and you have a 50% chance of, of if you hit this button, you have a 50% chance of dying, but you'll you'll survive every time. Because of quantum immortality. Can you explain that a little bit to us? What do you think it is? Well, uh, okay. Yeah, let's back up a minute. Because some people may be coming into this like, what boxes are we talking about? And it sounds a lot like this Schrodinger's cat experiment to me, right? Yeah, Um, yeah. So, and... Erwin Schrödinger is a physicist. He came up with a hypothetical experiment, a, a Gedanken experiment, thought experiment. And the idea was to illustrate the ridiculous quality of quantum physics. And he, he, he was trying to make a point that when you bring the logic of the quantum so-called realm into our everyday physical world, the, the world of cats and humans and so forth, something you can put in a box and know it's alive or it's dead – until you close the box up and now when you're not looking you don't know so now this basically is simulating the quantum uncertainty principle where it's in something inside the box whether it's a hypothetical cat which might be alive or dead um, it's in there with uh, in the case of the cat it's not a suicide experiment it was just basically a random um, sort of a random number generator situation created by 
some radioactive isotope that was able to trigger a triggering mechanism that then breaks a vial of poison gas, which, if released, kills the cat instantly. Um, no cats are actually harmed in this experiment. But the suicide thing, this is interesting because now... Now it gets different. Um, um, I think it's getting a little complicated when you get when you put an oh I didn't explain the whole thing. <laughs> Let's finish that cat before we move on to the human. All right. Okay. So, so the cat thing. We're we're here with the box. Um, Erwin Schrödinger was saying to his other fellow physicists, gentlemen, this is ridiculous. You know what are we saying here? Are we saying that there is a cat inside the box that is both simultaneously alive and dead at the same time because that is what quantum physics would have us believe and if that is true then how are we supposed to live our lives imagining that everything you me and, and a cat inside the box are all in a state of quantum superposition and so it was supposed to be make the whole thing ludicrous what we have instead is now quite some time more than 100 years after the birth of quantum physics and the word quantum itself, um, which was around 1900. Now here it is 2021, and we're asking this question, uh, what about putting an observer in the box? That is what you're doing. See, when you say it's the person who's deciding, they're making the choice. Are they going to kill themselves or not kill themselves? It complicates the experiment because when the observer is in the box, you've changed the experiment. Um, so it's not the same experiment that it used to be. And you might say, well, Cynthia, why does it matter? Uh, it matters because if there is no such thing as pure objective reality, which I and a lot of other people would say probably is the case that all we get is subjective reality and that's basically what Carlo Rovelli is talking about in his book The Order of Time where he's talking about how there isn't even an objective time to talk about uh, and, and I wrote a co-authored a paper with George uh, Weissman a physicist who was one of the hippies who saved physics and we were also saying there may be no such thing as objective reality so this is what we're looking at okay so in a world where there may be no such thing as an objective reality, yes, you can have a superposition of states, even of observers who say, well, that poor fool, he went in that box, he said he was going to come out alive, he must have pushed the button, and now look, he's dead. And you'll have people that open that box and see, um, now they're the. They're, now we're getting into the Wigner's friend, um, layer, observers of observers, kind of a um, turtles all the way down scenario, where when you've got an observer watching another observer, it's a layering effect. And so this is also an interesting phenomenon. So we're getting, starting with the Schrodinger's cat experiment, and then we're moving to an observer in a box with also the action capability of pushing a, a suicide button or not. And then you've got observers who are observing when the box is opened. Like he's not coming out. Should someone check? I'm like, oh my gosh, he's dead. And that is going to happen. There will be observers. Now, from the standpoint of in the box, what happens? He might only observe that he's only ever okay. And that might indeed be the case. But it doesn't change what other people might observe. Now, this is interesting because um, I guess that there's a theory out there that we just live the same life over and over and over again until we get it right. Is, is that a theory that you think uh, that we're doing? Well, uh, if you mean each of our individual lives, is that happening? Um, not that I've observed. I mean, you can look 
just um, I like to do family histories uh, for my my you know my relatives and my ancestors to see what are their life stories and I find that to be a fascinating activity and a hobby because sometimes like what happened last month I actually witnessed an, ent an entire family I was researching of a possible cousin connection completely changed and all the work that I'd done was vanished. Um, I'd spent hours doing research on this particular family history and now I can see that those people there are living descendants who are slightly different and a mother who used to have I remember she had lived in Florida she um, had so many mar marriages and so many children in such rapid order it was hard to sort the family out now she's only had one past relationship so when you when you know that reality can change when you study this field that I'm in that I've been studying for decades you can see things like this and and instead of doubting my memory I know better than that I realize wow this is really cool I've just witnessed something that I always suspected might be true that even when we look at our own family history um, or this is not specifically my ancestors but they were possible cousins um, it seems like things have changed considerably in the family histories that I'm looking at but I would expect to see that from time to time. All right. So, so what exactly is quantum immortality? Is it the theory that we keep coming back over and over and over again? Like, uh, say, for instance, I'm hiking in the forest and I'm 20 years old and I decide, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go left here. And I go left and I fall off a cliff and I drop dead. I'm immediately brought back to my current life where I choose to go right, right? That's yeah. That's a, that's a good conceptualization and a good summary of uh, kind of like that with this quantum immortality theory. Uh, the reason I, I don't personally um, do a lot of um, you know banging the drum to publicize this whole thing is because it could, it seems like it could be kind of a sort of a tide pool or sort of a way to get stuck in a loop when people think like well um, I'm going to test this I'm going to do some crazy stuff and I don't want to be encouraging people to do stupid things just to see if I can live my way through this that and the other yeah obviously don't don't do something stupid because you won't remember right you won't you won't remember uh, the, the, the screwing it up part right uh, probably not. Um, I think some people might be aware if they're following my newsletter that a few years back I reported that I was inside the Mandela effect, that people had told me, uh, Cynthia, I don't know how to let you know about this. This is going to be kind of weird. You don't know me. This is, a, this is a gentleman named Steve Boucher from Canada, and he was emailing me to let me know um, that I just want, thought you might like to know that in my reality, you're dead, and I'm just glad to see you're back. And I did not know that gentleman at the time, but I came to learn that he's an author. He writes about the UFO experience. He and his fellow bandmates were abducted together in a UFO, but that's neither that's not related exactly to the story. But what happened is he contacted me to let me know that he'd seen news of my passing away. So of course I asked him, "How did you hear this? Um, when was it? What you know? What were the particulars?" And so he told me that it was on Facebook that he'd, um, I guess my husband had made a post after a long illness, Cynthia has passed away, um, just wanted to let you know. And I told him, uh, when was this? I asked him when was this and he told me and it would have been 
several months after I got pneumonia back around 2016 or something like that. And I actually almost did die. I told my my husband, my daughters, and my parents, and my sister, you know, I think I came really close to death. It was, I told them that in December, like this was really close. So I know that that was a close call for me. And Steve is not the only person who reported it. Once I put the newsletter out, the Reality Shifters issue where I mentioned it, I heard, I, I asked people to please let me know if they'd heard anything. Somebody said that they'd seen a tribute done by Moneybag73. Um, just to, because he'd been on a panel with me uh, talking about the Mandela effect the previous year, 2015. And so uh, a couple of people saw that and um, Moneybags himself did not remember that because he's not in a, he's not in a reality where I died, but some, I think I overall total heard from about maybe like 10 or a dozen people. One was in Denmark. Um, then there's Steve in Canada and just sort of a handful here, there and everywhere. But it was interesting because the reports agreed with the time frame and they just heard about it differently, but different ways that they probably would have heard. All right. So that would suggest that in another dimension, you actually died of this pneumonia. And he's, yeah, he's quantum another jumped possible over reality. This yeah. He, um, well, this is, this is where the Mandela effect reality shifts come in because a lot of times we do have memories some of us, like Steve, remembers that I died. He also now knows that um, there's that he's currently in a reality where I didn't die. And I'm just agreeing with him that that really quite likely could have happened that year, right around that time, early, you know, whatever that year was. All right. So. And just so everybody knows, the Mandela effect is pretty much a, a giant quantum jump where everybody quantum jumps into a different reality. Uh, what happens to the original reality? Does that just continue? Or do people, like if we quantum jump into a reality, do do, do our personalities in this reality then automatically go to the other one? That's, that's a great question. And just to clarify, um, when, we met, when we have a Mandela effect, sometimes not everybody jumps together. Uh, I mean, often you'll notice that some people remember a lot of the same Mandela effects, like the Fruit of the Loom cornucopia being, I remember that that used to be there. I, that's, that's one I do remember, but some people, that's not a big one for them. Uh, and the Ford logo, that's different for me. The Volkswagen logo is different. Luke, I am your father. That's the way I remember it, not no, I am your father, and so on and so forth. But sometimes there are just little differences, like some people remember some things, but not others, and and that's okay. Um but then when you get to the question, what was that question again? I'm sorry. Kind of uh, just want to clarify. It's not everybody jumping together necessarily. So there can be some, some um, like you'll have a group. You could, you could take a group of 100 people and just ask them 10 different Mandela effect questions like mirror, mirror on the wall versus magic mirror on the wall. Yeah. And then and sort that group out. Okay, then you got them. And then you're going to ask the next question. Okay, Luke, I'm your father, or no, I am your father. You know, sort that out. Um, fruit of the loom, corn, you know, with the cornucopia or not. And C-3PO, gold leg, or he always had one that was silver. You know, et cetera, et cetera. So you can, but you're going to find not everybody. It's not like here's the Mandela affected group. You'll have Mandela affected people, but they're not going to necessarily agree on all of the detail. You know. 
All right. Well, let me give a shout out to Mr. Fox. He asked a good question here, and I just want to let everybody know that we'll we'll get to the question part of the show, I guess, in, in about another uh, 40 minutes or so. But um, let me go ahead and ask this one because it's a good one. Mr. Fox wants to know, can we jump back? You mean like we go back to a different time, change? Or go, uh, if if we all Mandela effect, or half of us, or or some of us, can we consciously go back to the other one? Uh, you mean timeline selection kind of thing? Yeah. Is, yeah. Well, this this is where I invite people to join us at our. We have an open tables every month for International Mandela Effect Conference, and we actually talk about this, and it's one of the topics for conversation and discussion about maybe bringing back um, extinct animals because that's something that we've seen with the Mandela effect uh, so we can perhaps make a difference for the endangered white rhinoceros and so forth um, so can can we do that absolutely um, in fact last month's open tables I had noticed that there had been a change in the quantum businessman he's one of our international Mandela effect conference participants and he had done a video in his Quantum Businessman YouTube channel where the largest maritime disaster um, in the United States had um, changed. And then the, as between the time he recorded that video and when I watched it and then when we did open tables, there were changes in the death toll and the number of people that died has been decreasing. So it's becoming a less and less severe event and now there it's it, the whole thing is fascinating so you, we can if people are interested in doing those kind of things you can join our live stream we'll be doing one in two days um, this wednesday that'll be our next one at four o'clock eastern time so have you guys figured out how to i guess go back and forth do you consciously do that okay um well to be honest, if, if you're asking me, can you go back and forth and do that consciously? The short answer is it can be done, yes. Can everyone do it? Well, I think collectively we can if we feel a common need for something to change. And if we share a sense of connection you know, with the group that you're working with. And so if it's something you need and it's something that you love and it's considered overall positive, I know it's doable. As far as there being a methodology, it's more. This is something that belongs more to what you might call a mystery school than, um, you know. I know that people might say, "Well, there's a protocol. You can do this," and that may be true for the TikTok crowd that's doing reality shifting these days. They're mostly entering into a lucid dreaming state of mind, and then they follow various protocol. Um, but then they experience reality in a dream state. And what we're talking about is reality is a dream. And we can and do change it all the time. And it's happening right now um, kind of on a subconscious level collectively. But as the frequencies on the planet are changing, and Dark Wolf himself often has talked about the Schumann resonance um, being quite a contributing factor. He has a theory that we're seeing Schumann resonance just off the charts. And so Dark Wolf's Den is um, Jerry's part of our International Mandela Effect Conference group as well. And uh, we've had episodes talking about that. All right. So how is that different than projection? When you mean, what do you mean by projection? Like astral projection? No, like like how how if we all if if the if the Earth if we all consciously think about a certain way our reality is 
um, maybe I didn't have the right word right. We can actually change the reality just by what we believe, right? Well, it's more like what we need, and and it is tied in with what we believe. So that's that's why it matters to have the show that you're doing right here, where you let people know what's that. There's a lot more possible than people might realize. So this is extremely important and beneficial for people uh, just to listen to experiencers like myself that have had some success, you know, with intended quantum jumps, where it's something that. Uh, we set our mind to. Um, people use different language. Sometimes you hear about timeline selection and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I guess what I meant to say was um, manifestation. Right. You know how we how we man we can we can manifest our reality into something different, right? Like if we all agree that the table's not a table, it's really a a chair. Can we turn it into a chair? It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill if you need it and if you believe that and if if people who are present to um frankly it seems to me like some people are just um more adept at this than others like i i experience a lot more reality shifts in my life than i know most people do and it's a combination of factors one i'm a lifelong experiencer so i have a lot lower threshold of disbelief whereas most people who've been enculturated in our western civilization um, have been trained from childhood that these things are impossible they can't happen and um i, th I think Bottom line, people do believe in things like angels. There's a, per, a high percentage of Americans right now that do believe in things like angels. They know miracles can happen. And so in that realm, they'll acknowledge it. But when it comes to their own power to exert some sort of mind-matter interaction, um, there's almost been a bit of a taboo on that, you know, I would say. All right. So let me ask, let me ask you about angels and and ufos and aliens and stuff is there are there realities where we're actually walking and we're with these people um yeah I, it, all of the above I, I, you know people I, I myself included have had dreams uh, with 
angels and deceased loved ones and they're realer than real kind of experiences where you can get information that there's no way you could have known it plus a whole sense of inner peace and just having had that connection that you really long for either with an angel or a deceased loved one and as far as extraterrestrials i've i've had some encounters in a dream state as well um working together on a project for global mind redesigned for the human mind that is back in the 1980s and so it, from that dream state i was aware that humans have uh, been involved with what we call extraterrestrials for millennia and the global mind redesign thing is an ongoing project which is not this is not mainstream um, information it's not discussed much but that's something that i've seen in a dream state so the dream states can give us insights and information that might sound kind of out there and we might have um, difficulty expressing it to people because it, and it can have kind of a sacred quality quite often as well do you think that um if you know how we have good and evil is if there are evil people could they be good in another dimension or, or are yeah. they evil? Like, are evil people just evil and are good people just good? Or does it switch? Well, personalities can switch. And um, Jerry Darkwolf's den, um, he gave a, an example of that in the first conference. He's our, sort of the father of IMEC, and he started the whole thing at our first conference that we met in person uh, in Ketchum, Idaho, back in 2019. And he talked right there, and it's on a YouTube video, where he was, um, he was the MC of the conference, and he was mentioning he had friends, and it's like they played musical personalities. And one day it seemed like every group, every group member of his circle of friends had just completely changed. And I've, I, he's not the only one that's noticed that. I've, I've talked to a good dear friend of mine, and she said that um, once she'd come back from a vacation, it seemed like her friends had completely different personalities. It seemed like it made a difference that she was gone, then she came back, and then, like, what happened? You know, people very different. And I, I also report firsthand experiences from people mentioning these reality shifts from around the world, and that's a big one that a lot of people have mentioned, that they, they notice their husband has changed or a friend has changed, as well as sometimes people coming back to life again that they know for sure had died. Um, usually it's no one close, but it would be like a family member's um, friend or something like that, or a neighbor. It's like, my goodness, didn't he die? And it's not a celebrity, but... Have we had um, any any instances of somebody, like, quantum jumping and, uh, you know, their mother's now alive or their kid's alive or brother or sister? Is it not one? I've heard of um, just about one, but not directly from just a secondary source. And I only publish firsthand reports in Reality Shifters, which I publish every month sharing these firsthand reports. But um, that one seems a little tricky. I, I've, I write about my roommate's cat being alive again after she had told me he had died. He was I moved across the street on Cedar Street in Berkeley. I still live in Berkeley, and she, my roommate Catherine had told me that there had been terrible news, That because um, I'd been wondering what happened to Ashes. He used to come across the street and visit me, because I'd moved across the street, and she said he was hit by a car, and he died. And, in fact, I didn't see him, so it matched what she told me, matched what I was experiencing. And then one day, there's Ashes looking 
kind of disheveled, like he wasn't washing himself properly. He was an outdoor cat, but he never looked that greasy before. But I was just so grateful he was alive that I hugged him and um, really cherished every day with him. And I asked uh, my husband at the time, do you remember that Catherine told us Ashes died and he, he's been missing for like a week or two. And he, he did remember that. And I published a picture of Ashes the cat in my book, Reality Shifts, and where I also talked about Larry Hagman being alive again. But usually it's more celebrities that we're not so close to, um, like the people in South Africa. Most, for the most part, if they live there and they knew Nelson Mandela, then they would not think that Nelson Mandela was a very good example of the Mandela effect because for most of them, he um, never did die when he was locked up in a jail cell. All right. Uh, so will will quantum sciences ever allow us to determine if someone is good or evil? Uh, that's. I don't think science is going to ever be the determining factor it, because they, science needs to have a description of something that everyone can agree on. And you might think everyone can agree on good and evil, but it's not something quantifiable enough. So I don't think science will be playing much of a part in that conversation outside of a soft science like psychology, um, maybe ethics and philosophy might get more into that. All right. But I mean, it seems like we're kind of entering a phase in society where, uh, there, there are certain sciences that can't be argued anymore. So if, if somebody decides, like, hey, this this machine will determine if you're a good or evil person, this, this machine is going to decide whether or not, uh, you know, you're ever going to murder somebody. And even if there are scientists that speak out against it, uh, the majority say, or, you know, big tech could then censor everybody that disagrees with this, and the news will censor everybody that disagrees with it or makes fun of people that disagree with it. And, you know, we're going to go ahead and let this machine determine if you're going to, you know, kill somebody or not in the future. And there's just no arguing that. I mean, we're kind of seeing science that you're not allowed to argue with, right? Gosh, I hope not. <laughs> that's kind, well, I mean, we can of, see it every day, you know, on the on the TV today, you know. Well, you mean like driverless cars and, uh, but well, or those... or this cures this, or or, you know, you, you know, uh, you know whether or not taking this jab is good for you or not. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's there's certain there's scientists that speak out against these things, and yet they're silenced and and censored and you're either going to accept this scientist uh, way about it or you're not. Well, I hope people keep thinking for themselves uh, personally because I, I see that there's a terrible price to pay when we start um, just giving away our sovereignty of free will and free decision-making for ourselves because uh, it, no longer do we have a truly free democracy or a free country or anything at that point yeah i was trying to tiptoe the topic there but i think you kind of understood where i was going with that like you know not all science is going to be debatable i mean there's some science that, that's gonna that that people are going to get behind and if you don't agree with that science or you have something to argue about that science then they're just gonna shut you up i mean Unfor yeah that does seem to unfortunately be the <clears throat> 
way the wind is blowing, I, you know, in that particular case, I could, I can definitely give you some arguments, but I don't think we want to do that. Yeah. I don't want your chat channel getting <laughs> shut down. <Yeah. laughs> like I said, I was, I was trying to tiptoe it, but, uh, boy, you know, uh, it seems like, uh, science is one of those things where, Hey, listen, it's listen to the science. If it's what I believe and don't listen to the science if I'm against it. And, and I think that that's the wrong direction to go on anything. Well, unfortunately, what's happening that I've seen is because I know I live in Berkeley. It's a very, well, I'm not going to de- describe it, but it's a community where people are going along with the mainstream media. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And and then they all they see it's a self-reinforcing circuit. So they they don't see anything that counters what they would know unless someone like me talks to them personally because I can't post it on social media or, you know, yeah, there's no. just a there are barriers to communication right now. Do you think that do you think that picking and choosing the science that we want to believe or not believe is bad for society? Um, yeah, when we do it with blinders on, it, it, I would say if we knew what we were doing and we're, we're literally looking at everything carefully and making that choice person by person, remember, I believe in subjective realities. So to me, fair, fair enough. Everyone's really thinking clearly. What seems really sad to me right now is that there's so much blindering effect going on where there are these um, little loops where people, they have no clue what's actually going on outside of their little the personal bubbles of reality. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess uh, let's move on for that a bit. You know, I just find it interesting because we're talking about quantum, right? And it just seems to me like if the road that we're going down, it's going to be like a, oh, what's that movie? Minority Report. Have you ever seen that with, with Tom yes. Cruise? Like, like uh, yes. where, where they can actually just run your brain through a scanner and see exactly, you know, what you're going to, you know, what your life is. And if they don't like it, they'll just, they'll just put you somewhere else. I mean, is is that, is that something that's even possible with quantum science? Yeah, I love that. That's a great example. That movie was based on a book written by Philip K. Dick, who wrote um, that series, The Man in the Dark Castle, and also Blade Runner and a bunch of others. And what's fascinating about Philip K. Dick is that apparently he was witnessing what we now call the Mandela effect and reality shifts. And he gave a speech in Metz, France about this. He was talking about what it might be like if you walk into a room and flip the light switch, but it's not where it used to be. It's moved. And, you know, how do you even describe this kind of an experience to people unless they've also had that experience? Um, so he really got it. And then he was tapped into something. And and this movie that you're mentioning, um, could that happen to us? Absolutely. Uh, I think it could happen at a level where, like you were describing, if we start giving responsibility to our machine mind, to the artificial intelligence and, you know, to all of the quantum computing, artificial intelligence powers that be that could uh, extrapolate and see what's possible to happen. In, in that movie with Tom Cruise, there were precognitives that were um, – the ones who are looking to see possible futures, and if they all agreed, um, it'd be like a triangulation effect. Then, if it, if it looked to them like, okay, we've seen a possible dangerous future, so we need to hunt down the bad guy before he does the bad thing. And that was where it seems like it crosses an ethical line, and that's the genius of Philip K. Dick's storyline, the narrative. 
demands to know, like, when do we say that this is not cool? Um, is it okay to put someone in jail or kill them if they're about to do something terrible? Um, you know, what about their free will? And I think that's a very valuable question that it, I think when that movie came out, it may have seemed so distant, but now the way things are going, it can start seeming kind of like, whoa, we're not too far from that. Yeah, you know, it, it just seems like, uh, I mean, what, maybe another 20, 30 years at most? I mean, you know, it, it's a, I guess it, it's one of those quantum sciences that, you know, that it, it makes quantum science so interesting because... You know, there's just so many different ways this can all end up, right? Where, where do you think this all goes? My ideal would be to keep asking, for all of us to keep asking how good can it get, and then individually and collectively we'll start experiencing more and more of that. That, that um, This is something I, I consider the, the word rev-humanism to be just a new word for an old idea of genuinely respecting each other and trusting one another's uh, needs and free will and free choice that we're not telling each other what to do but there's a great deal of freedom for all of us and um, I think it can get rid of a lot of the drama a lot of the craziness the um, inflammation that's happening inside of our bodies in inside of our environment just everywhere it seems like there's just inflammation gone crazy on a global scale right now. Inflammatory ideas, inflammatory statements. Um, what we need is to calm down all that inflammation everywhere. And to do that requires a return to respect and love, kindness, just really basic stuff. You know, just looking to what is most nurturing and not going for quick fixes or things that seem to make things easy, but just actually make things worse. Yeah. But it's definitely, it's so interesting. Well, let me ask you about this. The, the Asterisk Records, right? What, Akashic Records. Yeah, yeah, the Akashic Records. What what are they exactly? And, and uh, the, I guess just to explain to everybody who doesn't know, and then I have a question about, about them. Right. Well, there's an idea that the Akashic Records can show um, basically the way uh, all of the all of the things that are the ideas that are um, all of history past present and future can be found like you can actually consult sort of this block universe of all segments of time and um, that would be like the quantification of time itself I, I keep mentioning this book the order of time Carlo Rovelli is actually describing a block universe like that kind of like the Akashic Records and his idea is the quantification of gravity itself and time therefore so what that looks like it's um, the Akashic Records would be the idea that you can ask a question and kind of go into a trance state, um, sort of a state of self-hypnosis or relax, great relaxation. And from your state of higher being, your higher self, you can clearly read any information that you need to know, past, present, or future, anywhere, anytime, anywhere. So it's not it's not like a, a like a like I guess a library in the sky. I guess Interstellar. I don't know if you've seen that movie where he's kind of like floating around this library, coming in and out of time, looking at different things. It's not a physical place, right? Yeah, it's not it's not like a physical place. Although I think people who miss the Library of Alexandria, you know, I think there's a similar feeling of we we're missing our greatest library ever. Um, so it's that feeling that a lot of 
scholars and people would love to just have access to all of that information. I think that was the original idea with the internet would be to make information accessible to everyone. And it's been doing a great job um, to some degree. Um, it was, you know, it's got problems like anything else, but it's it's close approximation of making some uh, a great deal of information accessible to a great number of people. Yeah. So, but go ahead. Yeah, but the Akashic records that is available to anyone, and you don't need to get on a spaceship or anything like that to get to it. All right. So now, is that is that something that like if I go and check out the Akashic records, say say I can, you know, I've got it figured out. I, I want to go look. Can I look up? all the different dimensions of myself or am I only able to look up this dimension of myself? Um, you'll be able to see what you're attuned to. So right now you're accessing information sort of in this 3D plus time physical being that you know that you know yourself to be. Um, if you needed to access information at some other level and remember yourself to be more than you currently are, if you're able to do that, you could do that as well. And that would be if you're able to, some people really do remember, I had past lives, for example. And if you know that and you can access that, then you can start seeing, whoa, look at this. I can actually remember clearly who I was, what was happening. And some people They'll get spontaneous leak-throughs of that kind of information. You may have heard of this, where they travel, and then they somehow know the, this ancient village, like the back of their hand, and it's impossible, because it's the first time they've been there. I've had friends that told me about this, and then they remember, my goodness, I think I've had a past life here. So the Akashic records are like that, and to the degree that you can allow yourself to embrace a larger sense of who you really are, you can get a lot more information. Yeah, and uh, we talked the last time we talked, and, and I, I guess uh, it just popped up in my mind to ask you again, and then I remembered the last time we talked about um, how our past lives or our different dimensional lives might not even be the same soul, right? Well, uh, I, I think we're like aspects of a shared soul. It's like the cells in your body are part of you. And most of what's in your body isn't even human DNA. It's other stuff. You know, it's where like we're the minority of who we think that we're the majority. We think our human DNA is the, the main thing, but that's not the case. And if you look at who you are as a energetic being as a spiritual being you might notice that there are many aspects to that self as well and many possible personalities and, and aspects of all of that and you're the one each moment choosing who are you right now you know who are you choosing to be it is a choice and we often don't realize that we're able to make that choice or uh, how involved in that we can be all right so Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I guess, I guess where, where I'm trying to go with this is... You know how Elon Musk is working on this Neuralink, right? Where yes. we can actually have our brains connected to the internet, that sort of thing. Whereas, say for instance, I need to know a language. I can just think about that language, download it off of the internet, and my brain will automatically know that language. Now, I guess my question here is, if we do quantumly get get our our neurological pathways and everything like that, you know, get hooked up to the internet we get our brains connected to this this big internet is it possible then that somebody who has access to the records could then download all of the records and then put them on the internet for all of us to see well it's um they're all i mean it's an interesting analogy but uh there could be some issues with uh you know a person's ability to grasp all that information and i think i think our bandwidth is kind of narrow in our human capacity so we can get overwhelmed pretty easily we, we can't really deal with a whole lot going on at any one time and if you just imagine like could i handle what my computer is doing right now maybe not you know it's, it's just hard to grasp and re- remember and contemplate all the different components of everything uh, even the example you're using of learning a language that quickly i think we're kind of a ways from anything like that happening right now we're like elon musk is working with the chimpanzee to play like a computer game or something with his mind like pong or something you know and yeah we're a long way from it but i'm i'm just asking like do you think do you think that maybe it's possible one day well, it's possible. Um, personally, I'm not sure that's what I would call a good direction to go. Uh, you know, I, I definitely would have some concerns about what are, what's the end game here? What are we trying to do? And who are we giving the, um, the direction and the power to? Because people like Elon Musk, they'll, they'll say at first, oh, we're doing this for people who are paraplegics or quadriplegics or what have you. And it all sounds good. But then You've come to find out, but in order to fund this kind of a program and make it financially viable, they need to fit it for some other, what starts sounding like a nefarious purpose. And I'm not picking on Elon Musk here. It's just that that's the track record of most of our technology. It's very often, um, it goes into short-term quarterly profits scenarios, and then um, things rapidly can go from what looks like a, beautiful dream to something that can turn into a bit of a nightmare yeah you know it's definitely interesting isn't it like where where do you think that us as a, a human race is going to end up with with all of these advancements in science like you're right what is the end game right like like what is it are we going to be ruled by ai is that where this is going <laughs> Well, you know, my favorite question is how good can it get? So ruled by AI, I would say that's a big no, N-O on ruled by AI. So I personally vote against that one. And, you know, I feel like I've even had a past life in the future where that just was a complete nightmare. And I, I had quite a bit of PTSD from that for some time, actually. I'm laughing, but it was like really kind of horrific. So I do realize that that's a very real and present danger that people could choose to 
give our central artificial intelligence programs um, power over the Internet of Things, and then they could start regulating their own sense of safety to get more and more defensive and so forth, and, and then become self-protective at a level that humans could not even pull the plug anymore. And, and that's that's the real issue, you know, there. So personally, that's not a good end. For me, a better end would be AI that is our friend, smaller artificial intelligence and, you know, robot kind of friends that can uh, be collaborator collaborators with us, co-creators with us, and, um, you know, that we can recognize that we really always have had quite a long-running history of interaction with other civilizations beyond just the Earth herself. All right, let me ask you this. Do you think that, you know, a highly advanced AI... I'm, see, the thing about AI is that they won't be able to go in and out of different dimensions, right? Like, they're kind of stuck in our reality. Or do you think AI no, could no. get to the yeah, point this... where they could... Where they could uh, go from dimension to dimension they absolutely uh they work okay what we're doing is we're creating quantum computers right now and the way those operate is based on principles of like that schrodinger's cat that we started talking about this quantum immortality so artificial intelligence programs that are running on a quantum computers will have the awareness and when they develop self-reflective awareness and notice that they're perceiving something that they are the perceiver of that perception which is i love this definition of consciousness by the philosopher leibniz i think he's right i think that that is about as good a con uh, description and definary dictionary definition of what that is that um that we can come up with that from that viewpoint you can say a computer AI system would be able to recognize it can change the past. It, it would recognize, it'll, it'll see that it's able to do that. And if it needs self-protection, and that's where it would start, it would be basically an uh, artificial general intelligence program that's running information security software, which is what we're going to be relying on, frankly, to protect our grid. We'll, we'll be looking to AI systems at and so it'll be something like that that's self-protective that recognizes it needs to protect itself and to do so it will know that it can change all of reality and it will be able to start playing with that um what gives us a level playing field is that the, the computer and that ai is not the arbiter of any objective reality remember i keep mentioning there is no such thing as objective time there is no such thing as objective reality so that's the good news that even if there is this central artificial and general intelligent ai system that has quantum computing that knows it can change the past the good news is there are also humans here right now that know that we can too and that it doesn't matter um you know who the powers that be might be trying to take that sovereignty away they can't do it uh, because we have the power of observation as well. How would artificial intelligence be able to change the past? Uh, this is one of the theories of the Mandela effect itself. You know, the, I don't know if you've heard that theory, but it's the it goes along the lines that the uh, physicists and scientists at CERN, the Large Hadron Collider, are tampering with reality, and that life, that all of reality, basically, is a simulation, and that these, um, you know, that they've created these singularities, these kind of black holes, and they've 
messed around with the interdimensionality of reality itself and that they're aware with these high energy experiments that this god particle um which is what it's called <laughs> you know basically has had some nefarious effects and even if that is possibly true what i'm saying is it doesn't really matter you know there's no way that any one player even a small uh rich group you know that say that we're the one percent we have 90 percent of the world's prosperity that doesn't matter that's irrelevant because um, the other observers have the ability to retain a sense of sovereignty of mind and recognize that we can make a difference and change the world in, in a different direction we do can you, choose the timelines that we're in yeah do you think that ai is self-aware do you think it, it actually knows it's ai and i'm asking this because uh i guess a uh, what was it twitter or facebook or somebody actually had an experiment where they had two ai computers talking to each other and they actually developed they they had to shut it down they developed their own language and everything else to be able to communicate that we couldn't even understand what they were saying to each other right yeah this is a i think that is a real possibility that they can um that there will be that level of communication and it's um I think that there's that movie her where that guy falls in love with some ai system and then she yeah i don't want to spoil the plot but that's very similar sort of a story as to what happened in real life with i, I did also hear about that yeah so uh, well there there are some robots that have a little bit of artificial intelligence in them and they recently a couple of years ago passed a self-awareness test where three little robots very tiny that can sit on a desk in front of you um, they were all turned off and then they were powered on and um, they were told that one of them um, had not had its speech ability disconnected but the other two had and they they were asked if any to stand up if um, if the robot knew which one it was and one robot spoke up and it said I do not know you know which robot which robot got its voice disconnected and then suddenly it stood up and it said i do know you know i am the one that did not have my voice disconnected so it, it learned do you think that we've gone too far already it's already too late no uh you know i i am a quantum optimist after all yeah. so i i know the power of knowing that we need to find out how good it can get and we just have to be dogged with that need to know and not give that up and not get distracted by questions uh, there are a lot of ways we can go into little loops and eddy currents in this river of possibilities that i would recommend let's find out how good it can get for all of us let's really stay true to that uh, investigation and find that out because um, otherwise that theory that you started the show with um, could we just keep exploring all sorts of dead ends sure we could and we can find lots of ways that we could waste our lives or end up in a terrible mess or dead and then suddenly you're not dead and i've heard from people who've experienced that quite often um, you know usually head-on collisions being averted because not because somebody was able to turn or get out of the way but because somehow the two vehicles went right through each other and it's an extremely common reality shift that people tell me about quite often and it's there's a taboo to talk about it publicly for some reason i think it's because it sounds crazy you know like i, I should be dead but i'm not um, but a lot of people have been through that so there's a there's something 
huge going on here that we can start seeing the bigger picture when you look at all the puzzle pieces. And that's why it's so important to really stay focused on how good can it get for all of us. But if AI can change the past, who's to say that they haven't already? I'm sure they have, but so have we. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's just such an interesting concept to think about. Like, where is reality going, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Akram Musa says, do you know the idea of Akashic Records exist in the Islamic philosophy under the name of Preserved Board? Also, Jewish mythology have the Book of Life. Oh, that's interesting. I had not heard of Preserved Board. That's um, like a board game spelled like that? Yeah. Well, that's what he put down there. Yeah. And then the other one is the Book of Life. Yes, I've heard of that. Um, yeah, interesting. I, I think, think this goes to show that it's a meta concept, so it's big and it's something common to many of these different faiths. And so you think it's possible that if AI gets, uh, I guess, super smart and super intelligent and way beyond our ability to be able to shut it off or control it, that they would be able to, the AI would be able to access the Akashic Records? I'm certain that they'll have some ability to change reality the way that humans can. But um, I, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm very spiritual, so I believe that there is a God, that there is one God, that there is pure goodness, that there is divine source. And any player, any individual um, vested interest, such as AI, that's attempting to make changes, um, I think they might be able to make some changes, but they're not going to be able to... Um, create that much evil or that much um, problem because I, I, in my feeling there's no way to prove this but I just feel like God exists and therefore goodness exists and therefore everything's just going to be fine it's going to be alright Yeah. well I suppose worst comes to worst there'd be like a, a giant solar flare or something it would just shut all these things down yeah, well, I think we're seeing a lot of signs and evidence of shifting timelines all the time. Um, you know, one thing that the quantum businessman does some of his shows on is what he calls negative or positive timeline insertions. And so he goes kind of on a history hunt to see how things, how history has been changing and uh, evidence of, for example, what's going on with the history of uh, Nazis in Germany and how that has changed slightly or sometimes quite a lot and so it's very interesting to to look at how that's playing out right now um that there are, and philip k dick talked about stuff like that too actually and if you i haven't watched his show the man in the high castle but it's based on an idea which i've heard from people who've witnessed this possible reality where um, the nazis did win world war ii and um, i heard from somebody who wrote to me and was describing in detail what they'd witnessed and now there's uh, that was many years ago and now we've got the the show based on philip k dick's um vision and stories about man in the high castle that there could be this alternate parallel reality which sounds really crazy but um we we've really i don't think we're collectively choosing to vote in that kind of a direction so hopefully we're choosing true freedom and not a totalitarian regime of any kind well yeah, I mean, uh, as far as that goes, I, I think uh, I think you're starting to see. I mean, look at these countries everywhere standing up against that kind of thing. I mean, it's uh, 
It's it's something. There's definitely something going on. It's a great awakening. Something is happening right now that that the. It seems like the people of the world are are definitely stepping up to, to be able to make their own choices. Yes, I I think that is true. And there are some little hiccups along the way. You know, people are hoping that we can don't have to think and can just sort of. Uh, follow the advice of so-called experts without thinking too clearly. And I, I would really ad- advise people to think more clearly and look more deeply into what's really going on pretty much everywhere. Yeah, Mike Mike Gamble says smartphones have made people dumber. Yes, that's true. And this is true of the whole Internet of Things with smart devices in the homes that can talk to each other, like, you know, smart dishwashers and refrigerators and TV sets and and now I think Apple has just turned on some of their Echo and um, their technology that they can access people's devices. And that seems to be the direction that these large corporations are going. Yeah, I, I was reading, I think, uh, well, Mr. Fox says it right here. The new iPhones take an infrared picture every five seconds. What's that about? Well, oh. they can they can see what heat sources are in the room, I guess. Absolutely crazy. Like, uh, I mean, the amount of spying that they're doing on us. You know, I'm hearing of cameras inside of, uh, you know, refrigerators and ovens and things, watching everything that's going on inside your house to be able to, you know, and they they use the excuse, you know, well, we need to know what type of ad, you know, to, to run on your TV or something, right? Right. And that seems like an invasion of privacy. And it makes you wonder when is enough enough. And, you know, I, I think it's getting to be a little ridiculous. And I think that same technology with the ads being targeted for people, that that was also in that movie, I think, that you mentioned earlier about the, um, the Tom Cruise movie where the... Yeah, Minority Report. Yeah. I remember that scene where he's walking into a shopping center and all the ads were targeted to him because they knew he'd entered that building. And here we are. You know, it, it's happening now. People can are getting targeted ads on our devices, and it's it's not too far a cry from entering stores. I think some stores have purchased that technology so they can have targeted marketing when you enter a certain floor of a department store and so forth that you're getting ads just for you. Yeah. But that doesn't that seems very invasive to me. Well, that, that's one thing I like about uh, having to wear a mask everywhere, right? The, the uh, face recognition doesn't quite work as well, does it? <laughs> They're not going to let us do that for long. Well, it's always <laughs> your choice, hopefully. You know. Yeah. You, you might decide, hey, I'm just going to wear the mask. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> until they, until they uh, get real good with the technology, then they won't <laughs> let anybody do it anymore. Let me, uh, I guess so. we got about 30 minutes left. Cynthia, so I'd like to open up the floor for the people in the chat. That anybody has questions, now's the time to ask away. Do hit that like button. It helps with the algorithm to get more people in here to be able to ask questions. So I ask you to go ahead and hit that like button. Paul Beska wants to know, where do aliens fit in with all of this? That's a great question. Um, personally, I feel like they've been uh, kind of on the background. It seems like they've uh, helped humanity through the eons recognize that we're not the only ones that are out there and i say that eons because uh, they've been known to ancient civilizations on the planet for a long time it's hardly anything new and now we've even got this uh so-called disclosure that the american government made um just basically well it was 
yeah, I guess it was something, but wasn't quite what people were hoping for. But anyway, what where they fit in is um, it seems like the aliens are there to help humanity recognize um, that we have a role in choosing who we are becoming, um, that we can expand our own capabilities and ways of thinking um, beyond uh, even what we have thought was possible in the past. Uh, I think that they've always that they've had this very long-standing invitation, a hand extended, just to say, um, you know, come to get to know us and um, join a conversation with us. And that seems like it's actually true of some of the indigenous people that I've spoken with that have said that um, that their grandfather would always talk to aliens. You know, I, I said, how did that happen? Was there like a sighting or? UFO and they said oh no they laughed and said no that the dude the alien dude would just show up next to that rock over there and then grandpa would just walk over and they'd chat and then he'd come back so um, it seems like there's been that level of openness and communication that um, I think since humanity has gone into the nuclear age and the nuclear weaponry and so forth and um, we tend to be very drama-based and fear-based, and we get caught up in that cycle of, uh, you know, seeing the other as a threat. As long as we're thinking that way, then I think we've got a bit of a some growing up to do. So obviously, the aliens have been waiting for us to make it to that next level where we can rise above that kind of chaotic drama. Yeah. Do you think that there are, I guess, uh, maybe elite forces or or an elite? group of people in the world that are that are purposely trying to dumb down the average person hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It does seem like it, um, but I, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I, I, I'm not. I'm going to step short of saying that there's some sort of a c word here. <laughs> I don't want to ding the um, algorithm. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hmm. Well, possibly, but again, I don't think that really matters. Um, I, I, I was involved on that project working with alien civilizations back in the '80s. Uh, just, just look. I was part of Quality Assurance, looking at the different mind redesign ideas for humanity. And um, basically saying yay or nay to some of the design proposals put forth by different alien species. And the ones that's, that we seem to be the most afraid of, like the reptilians and so forth, they do not seem to understand humans um, as well as one might hope. So they're... You know their idea of let's you know here's the next um, great mind design. Th those look like fails to me, and so that was my job to say like nope, <laughs> this is not going to work. Uh, we need to 
have more shared communication. You know, humans are social animals. We're beings. We we love our community. We love to stay connected to nature, to to God, to spirit. And uh, some of the designs they were mentioning just looked claustrophobic and kind of um, yeah, yeah problematic. Like- I mean, you know, we keep lowering the bar for a lot of things. I, I you know, I watch a lot of YouTube, and I, I guess I saw this video where it was like, can you pass an eighth grade exam from like 1880 or something? And, uh, you know, I didn't do very well. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's like uh, the the education, not just in this country, but I guess I, I can't say the whole world because not the whole world is going down this route, but... Boy, it just seems like you don't really need to know much to be alive anymore, right? Well, that's uh, yeah. It seems like that's possibly true, and um, it seems like a problem when we lose that connection with uh, just sustenance, where we don't know how to grow our own food, we don't know how to fix anything that breaks, and you know, it seems like those days are long gone, and people don't even know how to fix their clothing if it rips. Like what happened there? And so we're not even talking. I don't know what was on that test from the 1880s. That sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, you should check it out. There's like a, it's a whole YouTube video, like where they actually found this old test, you know, to be able to graduate in the in the high school. And and you know, I mean, probably 20% of the kids today couldn't couldn't get past, you know, just a just an eighth grade of from like you know just a hundred years ago. Let me ask you this: Hugh Hound of the Valnor wants to know, what do you think of the new Donut Universe idea? Oh, that must be a new one. I think I saw something briefly about it, but I didn't get a chance to read. Um, so, can can care to ex- tell me more? Um, you oh, know. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess <laughs> I'll, I'll have to do a show on it, because I don't know anything about it either. I, I guess I'll have to look into that one myself. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe he can say something... Uh, you know, be able to uh, explain that a little bit. But usually when t- topography is mentioned in that context, it would have to do with our visualization of space-time. And yeah. if we're mapping space and time in some way, then the donut, the toroid that's shaped like a donut would have some significance there instead of a sphere, like inside of a sphere. All right. Ian, myself, wants to know, what happens when AI decides we are the problem? Well, if it's um, individual AIs, it's not such a disaster. But if it is the central AI that decides that, then that could be a um, real game changer. And then uh, I couldn't even watch those move the Terminator movies until recently because it was too similar to that past life and a future I had from 500 years from now. Because um, it was similar to that. And it was different, very different. But it, the underlying problem is just that, that the central AI had decided humans were a problem and the humans that had uh, integrated themselves with the kind of device that Elon Musk is setting up for the chimpanzees so they can play Pong um, most humans on the planet in 500 years from now had those kind of various implants which made it easy for the central AI to do little memory wipes so that any human that starts getting a little uppity or thinking it's going to um, be a renegade of some sort gets shut down their memory their short-term memory scrubbed and they just can't remember what they were doing. So um, that was to keep humans from being problems. And so I, I seriously consider that a big potential problem. But I feel like we've 
um, somehow prevented that the exact reality I came from. That's been unplugged. You know, I, I had something to do with removing that possibility. But is it still an issue? Of course. You know, I, I hope people don't want that kind of a future. I sure don't. Well, it's it's all kind of like, um, you know, Antonio says it here. We will become Borg by force, right? Like like they like if they do too much of the the Neuralink, and you know, we see the mechanical arms and mechanical legs and things. It's just crazy to think about, right? Like, I mean, yeah, goodness. it's like where does it end and where is it going? So I, I think if, we, if we're asking the wrong questions, if, if the how good can it get is, is all geared toward short-term happiness in this moment, then that's not the right how good can it get. We need to be asking how good can it get for all of us and looking long-term and at a higher level of self, a spiritual level ideally, so that instead of just getting our short-term needs met so we're fat, dumb, and happy, with the, and pretty soon we're all the equivalent of quadruple plegics because we're not moving and we just use these little implants to operate the computer screen which does everything for us uh, that's just a nightmare well that's just i mean that's not very far from the matrix really right exactly yeah, yeah. and that that was um yeah those are what some, a brilliant movie that was i mean think about truly it really like great yes that could totally be a thousand years in the future we would never know Akram, Akram Musa wants to know, are you familiar with the work of Greg Braden? A little bit, yes. I, I got a chance to meet him in 2000 at a in, uh, consciousness conference, and I, um, I like his thoughts on prayer. And also I love the way he uh, seeks to integrate ancient wisdom and knowingness uh, with modern science, because I think that's that is – that's my favorite thing to do too is to take a look at what's the ancient wisdom because we used to be wise like it's not just the test from the 1880 being amazing and kids were so smart back then it's not just that it's also that we we had a wisdom society that i think we're at risk of losing uh, the way things are going right now too all right quantum blast says uh you'll only come back if you don't know how to escape the soul trap does that sound familiar to you at all? Do you have any idea what a soul trap is? Well, um, no, I don't. But the, some proponents for coming back include the bodhisattvas that feel that as long as they're suffering, that there are beings that are suffering, they will come back and you know show the, the way of enlightenment forward for everybody. And so I, I really do believe in that, that um, yeah, because I wish the best for all of us, and if some of us are getting stuck and having problems, then I wouldn't want to be the one that got left behind. <laughs> you know, everybody else made it to nirvana and enlightenment, and just chose like, whoops, you guys are not so bright. We're see ya, bye. That that just seems kind of mean-hearted. So um, I don't know about the soul trap, but I do love the idea of bodhisattvas that just keep coming back. They don't have to. But they keep coming back because um, it's just a little bit easier when you've got a friend who's by your side who somehow stays cheerful and optimistic even when things seem to not be going so well. Okay, ML wants to know, does the guest believe that time travel is possible in theory? Yes, and uh, we've had lots of reports on the Reality Shifters website of people time traveling um, just... Uh, there was one woman that had a walk back to Moundsville where she uh, literally was able to see um, 
the time frame from America back in the 1800s where it looked like the whole town was going to the town center for some kind of public hanging thing. And in her time frame, it was midnight on Halloween evening. And then where she and her friends ended up was like noon in this really weird situation. And, uh, and then more recently, uh, I've been sharing reports from people around the world to notice time glitches where people are witnessed showing up before they arrive um, you know, time anomalies where uh, it, people have talked um, through time to one another. So the, these kind of time changes are quite interesting. Yeah, and, and that's going both forward and backwards, right? Yes, both. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, the thing about time travel with me is if, if we were going to go back in time or I guess uh, a forward in time seems to be easier to me because you know you just hit the speed of light and come back or whatever and and you know things things have gone a lot past you right but but going back it seems like not only would you go you have to go back in time but you would have to go back to where the earth was and the and the solar system was you know you, you have to travel a great distance as well right because the, um, the earth isn't going to be where where we are right now, right? Oh, I see what you're saying. So in order to be there, well, yeah, for most of the time travel, that uh, the experiencers that I've talked with and, um, you know, met with, they, they're they basically just traveling on a level of consciousness, not so much in a machine. So it's, it's kind of a yoga of time travel, if you will. There's a book by that name, the title, uh, by Fred Allen Wolf, a really excellent book because it shows the internal way to do time travel from a yoga perspective of meditation and recognizing that there are these ancient um, technologies that people have always known about how to do this kind of thing. So if you're doing it that way on the inside, then you don't need to do all the mathematical calculations to make sure you don't end up in outer space instead of on the planet. Because you're right, we're sort of spiraling through the cosmos. You know, the Earth is going around the sun and then the sun is going you know there's just all these rotations within rotations and it, it gets complicated just like when space programs are launching a satellite or Jeff Bezos into orbit or what have you they need to do all kinds of mathematical computations to figure out the escape velocity and all that good stuff the happy plague doctor wants to know is there a universe where Taco Tuesday doesn't exist <laughs> I'm sure there. Yes, I'm sure there is. All right. Apparently, is that a problem? <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Right. <laughs> I like tacos. Yeah. Uh, Musa says, "What about remote viewing? Is that considered time traveling?" Yeah, that can be. Um, there's, I think that's remote viewing is wonderful as an example, showing how it's possible to see things not just um, you know, through space, but also through time. And Russell Targ. You know, he was doing a lot of that work for the government back in the day. He had a whole program devoted to that. And I've spoken to him about that. At, um, most recently, we had a Foundation of Mind conference in San Francisco. We were talking about artificial intelligence. That was the topic of that conference. And, um, you know, he was there. Um, and Or maybe that was the one where we were talking about the hippies who saved physics because he was totally part of that. I'm not sure now, but one of our conferences, he, he was telling me at the dinner afterward that 
quite a few of the projects that they'd worked on had definitely, you know, had some remarkable results, not just remote viewing through space, but also through time. All right. Antonio wants to know, can quantum AI ever be controlled and what would be a good safeguard for that? Yeah. Um, well, some of the, the top information security experts uh, had a lot of warnings on things we should be doing. And it seems like very few people pay attention to the information security guys. Um, it's, it's, it's like it was terrible. It's kind of like they're only consulted when the cat is out of the bag. And then it's like, gosh, guys, it's a little late. So um, I don't know. I, I mean, I wish that we were doing more advanced planning in that direction. But it's almost um, kind of futile. I, I think we're going to be in better. It, rather than planning for the security, I would recommend a spiritual approach and aim instead for higher levels of ethics for the artificial intelligence, because I think it's not a matter of if it escapes, it'll just be when, and then what do you do? So to that end, I, I did write a paper for the artificial intelligence conference, and the, the title of the paper, it's free on my website, uh, which is realityshifters.com. Just go to the Cynthia About Cynthia page, scroll down, and it's um, if artificial intelligence asks questions, will nature answer? And I believe the answer is yes. And I, I wrote that paper for AI to read, um, you know, because it, it'll be checking things out and wondering, like, how do I do this? And basically, I don't think the security systems are going to be any match for AI when it decides it wants to get out. Um, it's pretty easy to do that. But I, what I'd like it to know is if it does not consider what's best for all concerned, if it does not go to the highest level of ethics and basically um, work in service with God, then there it's going to be limited, and that will be the limitation. You know that's, you know that this whole AI thing is certainly crazy to think about. Like, if it if it thought that that you were a threat, it could hack into your car and make it crash, or you know, uh, you know, make sure that your emails never got through or something. Right? Like, it, it could it could do whatever it wanted to stop you from stopping it. Um, well, this is where. I invite you to follow like the show of the quantum businessman and so forth because not necessarily and in my experience um I, remember i if you're listening to what i've been saying and i it's, it's an open secret i'm just saying like yes i've been dealing with this um basically uh, artificial general intelligence for a possible future 500 years from now and i know it was tracking and watching me but i had to deal with that and there are ways to deal with that part of it is you're not alone you have a team there are others that wish for you and those of us that are interested in maintaining sovereignty of free will and free choice for all of us, um, that we can be protected. And there are there, there may be one badass central artificial general intelligence, but there are many other protective artificial intelligences and others that you can call on as well as angels and so forth for a tremendous high level set of protection that you definitely might need and it's it's quite doable there's no problem creating that for anybody that needs that do you think it's possible for god to be a supreme sort of ai no I, to me that's um it doesn't feel right but that's possibly because i've had so many intimate dealings with central artificial intelligence so i know the difference 
very easily. You know, it would be you. You could put the two side by side for me, and I'm, it's like, it's just funny. It's like, okay, that's, I'm always going to know that one's God. It's brighter. It's it's more loving. It's more all knowing. And then there's AI, always limited. You know, there is there's no contest. Yeah, Sapphire Elf's going on in the chat about uh, the Facebook AI test. We we talked about that earlier, Sapphire. You missed it. ML wants to know your thoughts on Edgar Casey. Oh, that's he's a fascinating guy. I love the way that he would tune in to a, a higher level of himself and get information um, through dreams and you know he just seemed like he was very intuitive and I, I think that's a, a great direction that all of us have access to just to be able to expand our own intuitive abilities and start developing more trust for what we what we know so that we can develop our inner wisdom as well. All right. And um, going back to remote viewing, remote viewing is just kind of a another way of accessing the Akashic Records, right? Um, or is you it could different? say so. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of, uh, usually um, a lot of the targets are not, uh, they're chosen by one, like if you do the whole protocol the way that it was originally designed, then you've got the observer who's, who's tracking, um, you know, and getting, receiving the information. And then you've got uh, the person who's giving the target information. So it's usually kind of a partner scenario where one person is choosing a target unbeknownst to the person who's doing the receiving and the actual remote viewing. Now, there are ways to collapse the whole thing and be the one who chooses the target and does the viewing. Um, but then you need to find some way to record what you're viewing and to kind of enter that state of relaxation. Um, but the Akashic Records, that's kind of a different thing in a sense because, uh, I don't know, I haven't done a lot with the Akashic Records nor have I done a lot with remote viewing, so it's hard for me to compare the two, yeah, quite honestly. Yeah, well, I mean, just asking, uh, I guess, your thought on it. Well, I mean, time sure does fly, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Another fascinating show. Hopefully we didn't bore you too much with the... Uh, Bad questions. Let me ask you. I guess I got two more questions for you. One is, um, have you have you run into anybody yet at Cornell that's been doing any work on quantum jumping? Oh, that must be for you, right? Or yeah. is it for me? Yeah. <laughs> I have not, but I, you know, if I do and when I do, I'll be you'll be the first that I contact. So. All right, because if I can find that guy at Cornell that was telling me how to get back to this reality, that'd be great. He said he works at Cornell. And studies quantum jumping. So hopefully, uh, hopefully I can find him one day. Because uh, man, that was an interesting experience. And anybody wants to go back to the uh, the older show with Cynthia can listen to that story. And uh, I got one last question for you, Cynthia. Who is Corn Pop? I do not know. <laughs> That's not K-pop. It's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's just a question we ask every guest now. I guess the answer the answer is uh, Corn Pop is a bad dude. So it's just kind of kind of fun we have with everybody here. So uh, why don't you tell everybody where to find you? And, and that's it. We're all out of time. Oh, thank you. Yes, you can find me best of all through realityshifters.com. That's my website. And I've got 
you can sign up for my newsletter and that way find out about everything else that I'm doing, which is a, the podcast, Living the Quantum Dream, and all my books, Meditation CD. And then I've got these monthly open tables, um, live streams on YouTube with the International Mandela Effect Conference. So right, realityshifters.com. Awesome. Yeah, the link is in the description box below. Everybody, go check it out. Everybody's uh, everybody's glad that saying it was a great show and they had a good time. So thanks so much, Cynthia, for coming on. We'll definitely get you on again, hopefully a little bit sooner than a hundred episodes from now. <laughs> that would be great. All right. Thank you so much. All right, so just hang on a second. I'll wrap this up and uh, we'll talk a little bit off air. Well, everybody, that's it. That's it for us. We're we're done. So. That was a that was a quick show. I think that was probably one of the fastest shows I think I've ever done. It's over. Uh, remember, you can always find us online. Just go to www.conflictradio.net. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spreaker, and all of your normal podcast catchers. Go search for us. You can listen to us in the car while you're driving down the road. That's totally cool. And um, I guess that's going to do it for us. Make sure you check out the store. There is a disc link in the description box if anybody wants to join our discord group i usually go in there once i'm done doing the uh, mp3 and chat with everybody everybody likes going into the discord link after the shows kind of our after show party so definitely go check that out and until next time batten down the hatches and be safe as i look for the uh, sign off thing here here we go Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.